Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, evening, depending on where you're listening. Uh, welcome to the Neil, ba- Neil and Kristen Baker Psychic Hour. 914-338-0164 is the call-in number. We hope to hear from some of you today. Do press 1 if you'd like to speak with us. Again, that call-in number is 914-338-0164. And we invite our uh, listeners and callers to join us on Facebook and on Twitter, those accounts are linked on our blog talk radio profile, me on Kristen Baker Psychic, whereby you may follow us as well. So all, all sorts of outlets. You know, we're join us. We're closing in on doing 1,000 shows. Really? This is our 987th show. 987. Since we started, it's going on uh, 10 years. Yeah, in August it will be ten years. August. Mm-hmm. August will be ten years that we've been on the show, and by then we will have done over a thousand, over a thousand shows. Uh, it's quite a, quite a bit. Um, but you know, it's what's interesting is that um, whenever there is a renewal of energy, or your, or one is about to start something new in life, is it necessary to start again at your birth date and follow through on the codes every time you start something new? Or or does one in the linear code of the birth date start on some other number other than the first one when you're about to start something new? Depending on where they are in the birthday code, for example. Like if they're already on linear fashion in in the year, versus if they're still in month and day somewhere in the birthday? Well, the answer is quite simple. The answer is both. Right, because, because it you depends can be, on where you are in your birthday. You can be, uh, the birthday, you can be anywhere in the birthday. Linear. On the Why? linear code, meaning on any number of your birthday. And you can also be on the theme of any particular number in the birthday, too. So you can be in two places, three places at once or more, even more. So let's say you're uh, 40 years old and you're deep in the linear code of your birth date and you're starting something new. Does that mean you have to go to your month and review everything according to that new endeavor or can you just start off on the number you're at as a theme? Because that's where you are in time and space. But the answer is both. You are somewhere in time and space but we're constantly resorting back to past lives 
we're constantly resorting back to our childhood. Uh, so in, in essence, the energy of a birth date is omnipresent, meaning it's present at every moment, meaning the month can, can be moved forward and become part of the energy of the year in terms of the themes of the chakras. Right, but I mean, if someone still hasn't reached their karmic age, it's going to be more difficult for them to go over to their transcendent side of the birth date and, and access those numbers. That's a good point, because uh, that might involve why a new endeavor is so difficult. Is because you're still in the karmic side of your life working out issues. So a lot of times when someone starts a new project and it's just not getting off the ground, it's difficult, it is because they are still literally stuck in karma. Now, you can be in transcendent form and start a new project and, yeah. Still be stuck in karma. Well, still, not be stuck in karma. You can start a new project and not be stuck in karma and still have difficulty with that project. Some people just take it easily from the get-go, and some people have difficulty. Is it always because of karma? No, it's not always because of karma. Right. If you're learning a new skill and you don't have any predisposition or, or talent or gift for it, it can become a learning experience on a transcendent level. So that's how we learn. And that's important. We have to sometimes learn and not just everything comes easily. So learning becomes a process and learning becomes a theme within the birth date number. Every number in our birth date involves a process of learning, learning how to have relationships, learning how to write, learning how to communicate, learning how to be physically agile, learning a new instrument. Everything is, there's something new that we are determined to process in life or there would be no point in growth. Right. But I mean, if someone comes into their life with predisposed skills or talents in specific areas and then, and then on the other hand, difficulties learning other skills, that can be a karmic situation. Maybe not necessarily, but it can be a karmic situation. For example, if someone is extremely gifted, um, you know, in writing when he's, or she is like five or seven, you know, young, um, but has a difficult time dancing or something like that. That can be a karmic situation. It can be that karmic. Can be a karmic situation. So difficulties in learning can be karmic and as well as um, not. That's true. Or advantages in learning. We also have can these multiple facets of, of uh, duality or controversy. Uh, in other words, the marriage counselor who's so talented, but his own marriage is falling apart. apart. And, you know, the, 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 uh, the placement who was, who was very, who establishes law and order in his own household. I've, I've known policemen who have needed therapy within their own household, raising their children. Um, there's always a, something that is not the term schizoid. Schizoid is not the right proper term to it because we misuse that word. But there's a there's a duality, if you will, a black and white, a yin and yang, a positive and negative aspect. As soon as you couple something, 
there's going to be some trait or characteristic of opposites. Uniformity of life is splendid. It, it, you know, that's, that's miraculous. And when, you're, when you have a uniformity of life and everything you do is just sublime and, and in mode of perfection. But in most cases, we are, we are living organisms of contradiction. We, const- we contradict ourselves throughout the day probably a hundred times. Yeah, we contradict ourselves. Think about it. From very small things, still a form of contradiction, to, very lo- to much larger things. But every time we contradict ourselves, that is the part of our human nature. Now, on a birth date, there is tremendous themes of contradiction. The numbers themselves contradict one another. Right, because there is no of, constant mm-hmm. flow. Even if you have a string of the same numbers, no, or there's going to be a different energy in each, in each number. Or a succession of numbers, if the numbers are ordered evenly, which are not evenly, but in succession, which usually doesn't happen anyway, you still have controversy. Right. So there's a term that can start to be applied in a very practical sense, and that term is organization. When we organize, when we get together, in our, and when we look at our number system, when we look at them like team players on it, in sports, and we go, okay, I got a one, I got a five, I got an eight. I got to get all these numbers, these diverse, contradictory numbers to congregate in such a way that there's uniformity. That's where the master number comes in. The master number is the number of uniformity. It's all the numbers impacted in one number. Right, one number. One number. One number. That's why it's not two numbers. Yeah, you you have to get reduce number. everything to a singular number, one to nine. Right. Um, the the idea of a master number brings in singularity, which is godlike. It's it's the number one. You have one master number. You don't have two. You have to have one, because it involves the sense of oneness. It involves the sense of grouping all of one's past lives together in such a way that they're in uniform with the transcendent self. There's no contradiction between being transcendent and being karmic. They have now blended into one element, and they're writing with a perfect sense of harmony. Harmony can only be established through contrast. Otherwise, how do you uh, harmonize? You know, there's no way to harmonize. There's no way to harmonize unless you have opposites. Harmony implies that the blending of different d- elements into right. one tone. You harmonize. Now, in that tone, you can the ear can detect variations of the tone because the perfect blending is, well, perfection, but literally, it's not perfection. Because when you dissect harmony, you get imperfection. So the origin of harmony is imperfection. It graduates into something that is majorly harmonious to singularity, but it doesn't derive from that place. And those, those tones and melodies and harmonies, they all have to uniform to one note, 
Well, even if you talk about one single note, there are overtones. I mean, there mm-hmm. note has overtones, even if it's a single note. So even that isn't singular in itself. A right. Note. right. One note, even if it's, a, you know, without harmony. Right. And then you have to pick the note at hand. So you have to pick the theme at hand. Are all the chakras going to harmonize into relationship? All, all the chakras going to harmonize into a, a profession, a job? You know, what is the task at hand? In, in pure Buddha, uh, uh, Buddha thought, in the element of Buddha, it is the, uh, the element of energy is reduced to one breath. And one breath is reduced to the here and now. To be in the present, present moment, moment, Buddha consciousness. And that is established through the sense of the awareness of one breath. Whether you're buttering your toast or you're doing a major operation, the true Buddhist attitude is that there is oneness in any given moment we exist in. And that is now the appreciation of existence. And the true Buddhist mind would say, existence is harmonious with breath. There's no other question. There's no other statement. I exist. Whether I'm in pain or whether I'm experiencing pleasure, I exist, and that is the moment of essence. It has nothing to do with the content of what is providing that moment of existence. It's just existence. And that's why it gets down to the simplicity. It's so simple. And yet we've made it so complicated because we compound the harmony of life with conditions. Well, we we make it conditional. The harmonious moment of life, the harmonious moment of being aware of one's existence is contingent on how I feel and what's going on around me. Now, that's not Buddha. That's not the essence of energy, Um, whether it's Buddha, whether it's Christ, whether it's being a Muslim, whether it's being a Jew, it doesn't matter. The essence of the breath of life is uniform to the essence of the consciousness of God, which is existence. And that singularity is what's most important about the master number of our birth date. Uh, and why it's so crucial that it be made harmonious through the, all the elements of all the other players in the course, whether it's a five, an eight, a nine, it all has to sound like your master number. So when we are when we are looking at our birth dates, imagine our master number, and imagine what it's made of. And everything has to sound in harmonious fashion to the master number we have. It doesn't matter if it's a seven or if it's a two. It doesn't matter if it's singular or compounded. It all comes to one. We all have one master number, maybe derived from different uh, variations of, of themes and conflicts. But we do enter the world with conflict because we do enter the world with karma. But that's um, part of the analyzing part of the aspects of one's existence in the code of one's birth date, which is the beginning code of all the 
all, all existences. You've got to realize that our birth date is the beginning code of every existence we've ever had and every existence we're going to have. Right, but the, also in, in, in certain lifetimes, specific birth specific past life themes are being worked out more than in other lifetimes that may succeed or precede the lifetime a person is in. Well, yeah. So I mean, even though there's a blending of all those past lives, there may be, you know, there are certain past lives that have specific focus for an individual. You can analyze that by way of looking at the overall karmic number of one's birth date. If you're born in February or March, you think, okay, I'm starting on a three. Not really. When you add up all the numbers and you get a compounded number, let's say it's 34, you're not, you're, you may not be starting on a five or a six, you're starting on a three and a four, because that 34, it pre, that your compounded karmic number before it becomes a, a single number, is actually your, the, the pre-existence of your linear code. And just to point out that compounded, the karmic number, because it's a double digit, isn't being compounded can be a compounded karmic number is when the karmic number has to be reduced twice to reach a single digit so the word compounded gets confusing because 34 is a compound number yet a 34 7 is not a compounded individual in terms of a karmic number a 29 11 2 is compounded when you when you analyze the word compounded com suffix the prefix Prefix. of, of a pound Let's say pound is the heartbeat. Pound is the element of physicality. Com, C-O-M, by its prefix, its Latin term, look it up. You'll see, C-O-M. With, together. Yes. It, it's, it's, you're, it's together, which means the energy of opposites. It means a grouping. So when you group certain elements into a, quote, pound. Like a dog pound. Like a dog pound. Um, exactly. Because we do come from canine existence. Uh, when you look at that one pound, a pound itself is made up of ounces. Ounce, 16 ounces. 16, 16 tons, according to Tennessee. <laughs> what do you get? Uh, a lot of sweat. Another day older and deeper in debt. Yeah. Speaking of compounded. He was a very optimistic fellow. <laughs> um, but the uh, idea of the, the, the word compounded, it has within it the concept of past life. All compounded into one lifetime. Can you imagine uh, one lifetime can hold 20 or more past lives, condensed, compounded. And then, the, and then everything that we have done throughout our past lives is arranged in such a way that it comes out of the process of, of the number system as one number that we're supposed to graduate towards in all of its levels, whether you're a three or a five, there's still seven or eight or nine levels of that number. And we're to perfect that in our lifetime. So whatever it may be, every number does in, involve all the numbers. 
even if there's an exclusion of a certain number or two. It still buffs all the numbers because every number holds other numbers within it. So in essence, our master number holds every number in existence. Deep. Uh, now, okay, you know, you know, when when you talk about depth, depth. You, see, you know, every word is coded, so I can't help it. I'm, I'm coded, C O D E D, not C O A T E D. But de- there is a depth to our karmic energies. When you look at a birth date and you look at the month and day, that's the depth of our past life existence. That's below the surface. So that what is deep in one's life is what is karmic. That's what's deep. The energy, we know that the ocean and the sky and the air correlate. That each each element needs each other. Karma ultimately involves the atmosphere of life. And the atmosphere of life would be on our transcendent side of our birth date which is the essence of the air that we breathe. We're coming almost out of evolving. We're coming almost out of the sea of our past life onto the land and the air of a transcendent form. We're emerging from the sea of our karma. So our transcendent side of our birth date would be like that evolving sense of becoming upright. We're crawling until then. We don't come out of the womb walking. We come out not even crawling yet. We're basically on our backs and wiggling like an insect. We're just wiggling. You can't even, uh, most babies have to be on their backs. Why? Why does a baby have, why is it necessary for a baby to be on its back? Because they have to mobilize, they have to exert their limbs, their legs, and their hands to formulate the idea that in the evolving sense of time, they're going to be using those limbs. If they're laying on their stomach. They're not going to be able to activate no, the... We, we, we'd evolve looking like seals. They're slugs. So the idea that we have to, like a baby is inclined to wiggle, move his hands, move his feet, kick, kick, kick. Right, and of course the, a baby does crawl before they walk. So yeah, they're in the crawling yeah. sense. So when you look at the element of evolving in the sense of physicality, we're looking at the element of evolving in the sense of a species. We're crawling out of the sea. And then we suddenly become upright because the brain and the development, we are a human being with a soul. So we stand upright. And eventually we get to that place um, until we we are now, from that point, either gifted walkers, gifted runners, gifted dancers, gifted athletes, or more gifted in the higher elements of time. Um, like uh, oh, what's his name? Um, it did a oh the physicist. I forget his name. It was in the wheelchair. Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. But uh, you know we don't 
the, I mean, we can evolve without the limbs. Why? Because we are gifted with the element of a brain. However, in, however um, inclined we are to, to a limitation of the brain, we're not, we're not, our brain is, most of our brain is unused. We, use it, we only use about a, maybe an eighth or a tenth of our brain. Why yeah. is that, you know? Well, they say when there's brain damage, um, you know, the brain can learn new ways uh, and use different neural pathways to do activities that the, the was damaged in a, or the, that control certain functions of the body or, 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 or thinking. If the brain is damaged, the brain can re make new neural pathways so those tasks right. can can be um, accomplished or completed. Well, and, and in that respect, even the brain is a dual brain. We have the left and right hemispheres, and um, you know we have. What, what, if you consider someone intelligent, you say they have a lot of gray matter. But that's true. You know why gray? Yeah, because gray it implies to me really Murphy's something death or you know, yeah. So you know, but Lack in the brain, the coloration of our cerebral uh, of our cerebral um, advancements would be considered gray matter. Right, and so they say the size of the skull. Actually, some people would have you know very large heads, and it doesn't you know. There's debate: does someone with a large head? Uh, have more intelligence than someone with a smaller head, but it's not really the size of the skull that matters. It's the brain, the gray matter. So a brain can be small. In fact, I Albert Einstein had a smaller than average brain. That's right. You know, and then when we was. talk about the the code of the birth date, uh, the month evolving into the year, karma evolving into transcendence, we talk about the back of the brain the more primitive aspects of our brain are merging towards the frontal lobes, the more advanced parts of our brain. So when the brain itself has a travel course within it, and we don't even understand the brain yet, we never will totally understand the brain. Why? Well, well yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's aspects of the brain that can't even be studied during a person's life. Band. you know, they can look at the brain after the person has died and, and, and evaluate it in certain ways that can't be evaluated when a person's alive. So it's Right. And the brain is not uniform. Some of us have an emotional brain. Some of us have emotional slash intellectual brain. Some of us are cold. Some of us are calculating. Some of us are overly obsessive. All of these elements the brain intermingles with emotion, and emotion is hard to define. It's an abstraction that can only be determined by behavioral patterns that can be observed and measured. But we really don't know the essence of emotion. We don't know where that emotion comes from. People might say, well, it's spiritual, um, you know, God. It, it, Emotion is survival. It makes us feel. It makes us have empathy. We can keep compounding the element of emotion with reasons for why it's there, but we really don't understand emotion. 
can't quite get a handle on it. We know what fingers are and, you know, a nose, a mouth, teeth. But, you know, um, how do you dissect and put on a table an emotion? You know, where is it? How do we put it on a plate? Can't. It, it's an emotion is an expression, and it's all in the abstract portions of our brain, which is in the uh, right lobe, the right hemisphere. So it's very difficult. Um, our creator did not make it easy for us to understand ourselves. Look at the state the planet's in right now. Is this a uniform planet? Will it ever be? No, it will never be. Even if you talk about world government or world control, one system, it will never be one system, never. Because we have diversity and it's always going to be there. There's always going to be an outlet for oppression and an outlet for uh, uniformity. It's never going to happen. Forget it. But what we have in terms of that is when we look at the unit of a human being, my God, we've got enough contradictions going on to talk till kingdom come. Same with the birth date. We can never exhaust. That's why we're over thousands. We don't know when to end it because the book is compounded with elements of, of mystery that we're trying to capture one book. Get about how much it weighs. In today's world, we can go on a computer and wait. Yeah, nothing. Exactly. So, um, you know, the, so when we get into this journey, I, I have literally spent years studying one number and a birth date. And I've had subjects to do that with, people that I've known, just dealing with one number, clients, people I've known people of human beings I've known in the uh, creative study of numerology. Now it relates to ourselves because the universe is, is, is an order of numbers to the universe. There is an order of numbers. However superficial that may sound, there is an order of numbers that are, that are thereby symbolized by figures and symbols. So when we get into this journey um, of, of how we account, more or less count, for the number of years we've been on the planet and what we've done with each year, every year, every day, every second is accountable. Our existence is not just made up of months, years, days. Our existence is made up of seconds, milliseconds. It is no end to it. So we have to look at that in terms of the total composition. That's why it's so commanding that we study, as we do, Chris and I, the, the elements of, of numerology and what it means to the human existence pertaining to the body, mind, and soul. Fast. Every head on hair on your head will be counted. Yeah. yeah if you're bald, I guess <laughs> you get lucky. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, yeah, I guess so. I mean, figuratively speaking, um, it, it means that nothing is hidden from the eye of the creator. Nothing is hidden. Everything is accountable. But when you look at that, you know, it's not that he, that the creator would be, is literally looking at like a computer. Oh, no, hair just dropped. Oh, hair just dropped on Harry's head. Hair just dropped on Elizabeth's head. The, the accountable aspect of knowingness is spontaneous. It's with thy eye that one sees all at once. It's omniscient, omnipresent, and it's all-knowing. So you don't have to sit there calculating. In the flash of an eye, you know everything. You see everything. You know everything. But I think the verse states that it's every hair on your head is numbered. I mean, so we get back to the count, the count. again. Yeah. Um, it's a wonder why barbers aren't more uh, wealthy than, than <laughs> Some of them are pretty wealthy. Well, yeah, I don't think they're barbers that are really wealthy, unless you're hair hair cutters cutters. or whatever, colorists. Yeah. But, you know, we, we, uh, so when we look at this element of energy and we look at the, uh, if you will, the colorization of our chakra system, because our, our birth dates are full of color. Every number is assigned to color. Right, because they relate. I mean, the numbers uh, are equatable to the chakra systems, which have colors. Right. Which made it, you know, makes it very difficult. I mean, we advanced in technology from black and white to color film. But the world did not. The world was originally black and white, light and dark. Then the creator, God, decided to put color in the earth. So he made plants, he made the ocean, he made the stars. And then, uh, you know, plants and flowers and whatnot, I mean, there's enough color there for the last forever. And animals. And every animal has a distinctive color. Multicolors. What were we reading the other night about uh, red lipstick and red red foods? Yeah. Carmine? A crushed worms, crushed beetles. Yeah. So when you think you're a vegan or something and you put lipstick on or you have a certain, uh, you're eating a certain non-meat candy with a coating on it, a shell. Or a color, I mean. Those are crushed beetles. They kill beetles for that. I mean, it's hard to be purely vegan, um, but it can be done. If you follow all the, if you know everything about uh, life, but what, it's surprising what 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 life forms are in the in the uh, commodities of our life uh, that we would never think would, would be there, but they are. We're eating good and plenty, and we realize that they're made with crushed beetles. Well, I don't think good and plenty are, but uh... the shell. The shell are purple of good and plenty. I don't think there's red. But like hot tamales probably have crushed beetles oh. in them. You know, those are Ike purely Jack red. Whatever uh, are. Mike and Ike. Mike and Ike. Um, Mike and Ike. Who are Mike Eisenhower, and Ike? Eisenhower. And, uh, but, uh, so, you know, I mean, we 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 just 
or shampoos. Shampoos. Soap. We realized that soap was made with animal fat, so we had to get a plant-based soap, hand soap. You know, I mean, it's, it's we get, when, when that, that's just what it is. You can't, you, there, how, when do you end knowledge? And when mascara, end too. Investigation? That guana. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it. I mean, they are, of course, vegan cosmetic companies. Nowadays, there's more awareness, but it's, you know, if you're buying mainstream, it's difficult to avoid animal products. I once met this guy, he was a nut, but he said, I decided not to kill anything, so I'm going to only gulp air. (laughs) That's all I'm going to do is gulp air. And he was a nut. And I said, oh, my God, you can't do that. He said, why? I go, because you could be destroying molecules. And he said, you're right. He held his breath and walked out of the house. I never saw him again. <laughs> I, I, think he, I don't know what happened to him. But, um, you know, you get to a point where you have, to, you have to draw the line somewhere. Right, because, you know, being a vegetarian, you're still killing plants to eat. You know, an argument a lot of meat eaters use against vegetarians. Well, you're killing plants. Yeah, and plants speak. We know that plants talk and plants. But they don't have a nervous system. They don't have a, a brain system. So they work in a different element of um, vibrational energy. But do plants feel? I mean, some people say that plants feel, plants bleed. Plants are aware. I tend to feel believe that too. But I don't. I don't have um, qualms about eating plants. I just don't think it comes in the same category of uh, an animal with a brain. If it's got a brain, I don't need it. So now what we're we're getting into is the abstraction of intelligence. Is, is, Is intelligence an abstraction of a concrete thought? And when we deal with abstraction, uh, we we have what is actually abstraction. You know, you break it up. Abstraction. A B. What is A B? The compound of A B. Ab to absorb. Abstract. It is to take in. Abstraction is to to understand the the attitude. Pulling into the system an energy. Well, it's actually um, away from. Right. So you're abstracting, meaning you're moving away from the concrete idea. Yes. But when you're moving, but when you think about it, when you're moving in, you're taking in. So. Let's say you're, you're in the water and, you're, and you want to move away from an object underwater. What do you do? You, you push the water away from you. But actually in doing that, you're creating a funnel. You're creating an, an energy field through which there is an absorption of energy that you're taking in. Just like you exhale, you have to inhale. So the contrast, if you say, you're moving away, then why do you absorb? It, it's a contradiction in term. 
because you cannot you cannot move away without the concept of moving in because everything has its contrasting dualistic nature. And as long as you're coupling something, there is the consciousness of its opposite. So you can't move away without moving in. So the word ab, ab the prefix ab, carries a, a, a certain connotation of terminology that seems to contradict itself. But it all centers down to the essence of even number. When, when Chris and I are looking at numbers, we have to decide, is the number in a positive element or a negative? And even that is subjective. What is positive? What's a positive number? Is it is a positive two when you're having a good relationship and a negative two is when you're having a bad relationship? What if you're having a bad relationship and you move out of it? Now that two suddenly become positive? How does the energy change in relation to a birth date? And how do we register a number? Right, as far as the theme is concerned? Well, as far as the theme is concerned, but as far as the action, our birth dates are connected to our actions. So a two in a birth date is connected to the currency of, of the situation. What's currently going on in that two? Maybe it was negative a year ago, now it's positive. So the element of a number is, has a certain fluid connotation that it moves, it stays stable, but it moves within itself according to behavioral patterns and actions and circumstances, which makes life a little bit more complex than just, you know, Adam and Eve being in the Garden of Eden, eating berries and doing nothing but constantly eating berries, eating berries, eating berries and frolicking around. Something had to happen. So, the tree of knowledge. Knowledge is change. Knowledge is, is, is the element of circumstance, making decisions, learning, but paying the wages of the growth of our intelligence. We, we learned the wheel, and then we learned that the wheel kills. We learned to fly, and then we learned that we also could drop bombs. Everything has its, everything evolves into the state of entropy in some respects. We can't get around the fact that we live to decay. This is uplifting. Very uplifting. <laughs> um, Norman Vincent Peale would be very good. <laughs> the power of positive thinking. Yeah. He's, he's just thrilled. <laughs> but um, the, 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 that's what it is. I mean, we can't get around it. So do we resort back to Dylan Thomas? We rage against the burning of the light. Do we do not go gentle into that good night, but rage, rage, meaning live. You live, and he died. A brilliant human being died in his forties, thirty-nine from alcoholism, alcohol. ravaged by you know the alcohol, the disease of alcoholism. But yet. It was said that when he recited his poetry, women would just drop to the floor in, in rapture. This Welsh poet 
brilliant. And he, he wrote, did poems and plays, essays. But the, you know, so, so we, have, we have the element of intellectualism, passion, disease, all wrapped up in, in one, in the circumference of one's existence. We just are not that simple. And yet, we're supposed to reduce our lives to a simple master number. So how do we get to the essence? How do we get to the essence of simplicity without there being controversy? Jesus could have said that easily while he was on the cross. Because even he said, what the f- is going on? Why is this taking so long? Time is pain. Time is endurance. And his rage was in defiance of giving in to the world. So Dylan Thomas was being crucified along with Christ in terms of, in terms of the essence of living to the last moment of life and sticking to one's ideals, regardless well, of the circumstances. Right, the circumstances, though, are different, obviously. Being an alcoholic and you know dying uh, yeah, for the sins yeah, of yeah. you know, but we all carry our own cross. We all carry our own cross, and you know, according to the dictates of government, Christ was a heretic. He he would not. He rendered to a Caesar what is Caesar's, and he rendered to God what is God's. You can take my body, but you're not going to take my soul. And that is the living soul uh, that he was referring to, the eternal soul. So in that, in all of in all of this part of speech, whether we return to the Creator or in Buddhist energy, we return to the breath of existence and the consciousness of of the universe. The essence of air and breath is eternal. You know, what's interesting, just real quick about, sorry, getting back to Dylan Thomas and his birth date, um, which we weren't really talking about his birth date, but I just want to mention, he had an interesting birth date, 1027-1914. So he was a 25-7. He would have had his change at 39. I mean, I'm sorry, in 1939, but he died at the age of 39. On November 9th, 1953. Yeah. So his death is, I mean, age of death is related to the year of his karmic change. Yeah. And it's in his birthday, which and is interesting. And it's higher 29. Which is the nine. day of his death, 11-9. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us are destined to walk in dark, in, in, on a dark path. Well, Another uh, famous writer, also addicted with opium and whatnot, died uh, relatively a month after the age of Dylan Thomas was Edgar Allan Poe. He died around 40. But again, all these writers. brilliant. Not, I mean, he was a poet, but he was, he was the master, sometimes considered the father of the short story, debatable, but nonetheless... Uh, Edgar Allan Poe preceded uh, Dylan Thomas's life 
1800s. Dylan Thomas was the early 1900s, 19, about 1940, 39. But his higher numbers aren't two and nine, or two and six. That ground Poe? No, no, Dylan Thomas, because Dylan Thomas was born 1027, 1914. So it was one Oh, you six. were referring to his death. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but of the two, uh, you know, Dylan Thomas was Welsh, and Edgar Allan Poe was from Boston. Um, Southerner, but both. Southerner. Well, Edgar Allan Poe was. Boston, that's Eastern. Uh, yeah, but I think he was. There, there in my in my uh, readings. He, well, his, there was something, there was something. Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. So he, he. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is south. Yeah. So he. There was some element about Boston with him. Yeah. No, he was born in Boston. Yeah. But Boston was, is in the east, not the south. Yeah. But he, uh, he was taken into the home after his father abandoned the family and mother died by um, John Virginia. Allen in Richmond, Virginia. So right. now we're getting into, the, well, yeah. is Virginia really the South? Yeah. It is? West Virginia well, is Virginia the South. Virginia was Virginia, a Confederate state. Virginia is by Washington, D.C., though, right? Yeah. And Washington, D.C. is in the East. Anyway. But again, um, those those two individuals are somewhat similar in their literary uh, complexity, both brilliant in, in many respects. Of course, uh, Edgar Allan Poe was more possessed by demons than Dylan Thomas uh, and expressed that in his writings. Dylan Thomas was just an alcoholic. He, he just had problems. Dylan Thomas was a womanizer, and Edgar Allan Poe was not so much a womanizer. He was almost a pedophilia. He, 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 he involved himself with very, very young girls. His, and it was very popular. What, what Annabelle, what, what's her Annabelle name? Annabelle Lee. Um, but he, Which is uh, was, was his relative, right? Yeah. But then, you know, you get into other writers who had that adverse effect on sexuality. Um, Lewis Carroll, who they, they don't, you know, Alice, Lewis Carroll was also into photography and he would uh, photograph the nude little girls. And there was always a controversy about exactly did he have sex with them or not. But it's implied that he did. And yet he was also um, a highly intellectual man, a mathematician. And, uh, but, but had his own psychological problems in terms of the diversity of his life, just as uh, Hans Christian Andersen. Um, What had a controversy regarding his life and his homosexuality and his awkwardness in terms of sexuality. Uh, 
Oscar Wilde, these people, these writers that were, were, were brilliant but had a diverse effect, they probably all had strong twos in their numbers. So if you look at Lewis Carroll... Well, at Cons Christian Anderson was born on April 2nd. Yeah. Lewis Carroll... looking up Lewis Carroll January 27th yeah so you all have the and, twos and so, so and in the second number as did um, Dylan Thomas Dylan Thomas and um, who was the other one we mentioned um, um, we mentioned um, Edgar Allan Poe yeah, well we mentioned Edgar Allan Poe but we also mentioned uh, Lewis Carroll uh, Hans Christian Anderson uh I know that I thought we mentioned there was another writer we mentioned at that point that had this strong energy field. Their twos were out of line with conformity. And why is that? It was on their twos are mostly centered on the karmic side of their birth date. So what is the mystique of this energy of two? Well, yeah, Mozart, I mean, now we're getting into composers, but Mozart also, too, and he had a very diverse sexual, and I mean, he was. Yeah. Prolifically. 127. Uh, horny. <laughs> um, you know, the Marquis de Sade uh, was another one who uh, was obviously going to have a strong two in his energy. And, and uh, well, again, Vivaldi, you know, they say that Vivaldi had, uh, you know, he had all these students. He ran a school for for a young woman and that he was molesting them, things like that. Yeah. Um, and his, he, that was a, his name was a corruption of vagina. <laughs> but he he actually was a twenty nine eleven too. Yeah. So there you there you have it. So. You know, for those of you who have twos in your numbers, watch out. Be careful. <laughs> well. But, you know, I mean, there, there's another, there's a flip side to it, too. So all of those pious twos out there, but we, we, we um, salute you <laughs> because you can transcend the. Um, and today is 2 today two, is, two yeah. 2022. And 2-2 is uh, French for. Uh, uh, yeah, ballet skirt. Yeah. And ballet, we already know that most ballet men are homosexuals. Don't say that. Um, well, now we're getting into controversies that are beyond compare. But uh, well, I, but uh, well, Rudolf Nureyev was a prolific womanizer. I think he was bisexual. Um, but then again, um, again, this idea of the energy of the physicality. Yeah, he was born 317, which is of 11. What, that's an 11 2 in his energy. And then 22. He was a 33 6. He was born in 38, though, which again. Again, another 11. 11. Bisexual, I believe. Um, but a lot of these, uh, a lot of our folks were, it, it were as such. But again, here we are. Um, Masters and Johnson meets Freud, meets uh, Buddha, meets Christ, meets the Creator. 
Okay, well, we're back on the air on Friday. Hope to hear from some of you then, and thanks to those that listened to our show today. Bye.